Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us to always sanctify the Lord God in our heart and be ready to give each man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us. On today's episode, we wanted to take a look at the historicity, uh, the authorship, and the credence behind uh, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. And after a word from our sponsors, We'll get started on the topic today. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. And to help us with this topic, we have a special guest all the way across the pond, uh, our dear brother, Stuart Gray. Stuart, how are you? Hi, Perseus. Hi, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Now, Stuart, you wrote um, what I call a short treatise uh, dealing with the authorship of Luke and Acts, and I yeah. asked you this before, but what um, what caused you or compelled you to write on this topic? Oh, that's it's uh, it's a pleasure to be speaking to you. Um, so I'm a uh, I'm a leader in the in the uh, in the church in in the UK. I'm a, a lay leader, and uh, I have a, a passion for for Christian apologetics. Um, for giving people uh, good reasons, really, to to believe in in Jesus, and that that has led me over the years to engage with skeptics um, uh, online and in in different uh, different opportunities. I get I'll I'll engage with skeptics on these these topics, and I've been challenged um, quite recently uh, about the um, the authorship of Luke and Acts. Specifically, it was, well, how early were these books written? Um, and uh, it, it, seems, it seems very easy for the skeptic to, to assume that uh, the Gospels were, were written much later uh, uh, than, than the evidence would suggest. Um, and it, it's a very easy claim to make. And I wanted to, I wanted to really refute that as, as, as strongly as I could. 
can you tell us when skeptics uh, talk about uh, early and late date, why is it that the skeptics would like for these type of writings, especially uh, our manuscripts, to be later than earlier? Oh, that's a great question. I think um, I think it suits the skeptic. It suits the skeptic to to put a late date on the Gospels and Acts because if they're written later, then there aren't any eyewitnesses to to corroborate uh, the the claims in these documents when they are written. Uh, if you know, if they're written at the end of the first century in, into the second century, um, the, the skeptic can then claim, well, you know, th- th- there was no one alive then who, right. who perhaps engaged with Jesus one on one, and uh, it, it suits a, um, a skeptic's mind sometimes to to make that claim. And you're absolutely right. Um, many skeptics argue. Uh, especially if they argue for a later date, that um, it, it allows uh, for them to claim that, like you said, that the the original writers perhaps didn't write it or someone came after them and wrote yeah. it and uh, leading to mythology and things, things of that nature. Absolutely. But so so we, we know that's not true as it relates to uh, the gospel uh, of, of Luke oh, yeah, and Acts. Absolutely. So in terms of authorship, Based on your research, mm-hmm. um, who is the author of the uh, book of Luke and the, uh, I mean, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts? Well, you know, the the um, scholarly consensus on it really is that that, that the author uh, of Luke Acts uh, is um, a companion of Paul. Uh, he he was a, a Probably not Jewish. He was he was probably um, a Gentile, but he was a, a professional. He was a he was a doctor, and um, you know it's it's the there is evidence in his writing, in particularly in the second half of Acts, that that that, that he was there and witnessed a number of the of the events that uh, that the Apostle Paul witnessed. Um, during that time, so yeah, it's it's uh, there's great evidence that that the author is is is, is who the Bible uh, implies the author is. Now, it's important to note that these books were not um, shared around the uh, the first century church with a name attached to them. <laughs> right. So, in our Bible, it, it will say that the Gospel of Luke. Um, the original scrolls that were copied uh, didn't have that, but what we what we believe they 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 had was they had a, an oral history, an oral testimony that was shared with the writings as they were as they were passed around uh, first century churches. Right, and and that's definitely true. Uh, many contemporary Christians we. We uh, stand on the shoulders of those who did the work and made things yes. made things easily readable for us. It's easy for us to pick up yep. our Bible and see these titles and and forget the struggle and and the uh, prayer that went behind 
what to put in the canon and then eventually what to publish for us to read. So I appreciate that antidote. Um, now, this particular writing that you did on the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, I noticed that um, you highlighted uh, nine uh, arguments that you believe lends credence to um, these books as it relates to what we have historically believed as Christians. So before we get to that, I want yeah. to ask you more about the philosophical aspect uh, that you that you put in uh, into your writing, and that's this uh, argument from silence. And yeah. this concept, of course, we all learned in seminary, well, most of us have, especially those on the apologetic track, this argument yeah. from silence. Can you please explain to our listeners what do we mean or philosophically, what what are the philosophers saying when we say uh, that we're arguing from silence? Sure. Um, in a in a nutshell, really, uh, an argument from silence is all about what the historical authors do not say uh, in their writings. Um, and you know, usually in in history, we we measure the historical writing by what the authors do say, what they write down. But the argument from silence uh, is all about what the historical authors don't say in their writings. And the important uh, aspect to this really is that um, the argument from silence is a tricky, a tricky argument to use. It's... Um, it's, it's tricky because in some circumstances it can be used to produce um, good arguments. But very often it can be used to produce bad arguments. That's true. Um, and um, what, what we need to do, if we're, going to, if we're going to use the argument from silence, we have to understand a little bit about how that argument works so that you know, we have to read the instruction manual for it, really, to, to use it properly. And in my experience, speaking to skeptics, um, very often they will appeal to the argument from silence, but they haven't read the instruction manual. <laughs> and so they, they, don't, they, they end up producing fallacious arguments, which are, which, which are false. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. 
the Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Um, can I can I give you an example sure. Uh, of? Um, sure. Okay. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this is one people can understand. Uh, imagine, imagine that I want to buy a used car. Okay, and I'm I'm looking at the advert for for the car, mm-hmm. and I I like I like the make of the car, but I'm aware that sometimes this particular car has hidden problems with the engine uh, on some, you know, older models. Now, if I read the advert for the car and I say, well, has the seller mentioned that the car's got engine problems? No, of course, he hasn't. He's he's selling his car. Um, So if I say to myself, well, because the seller hasn't mentioned any engine problems, that must mean there are no engine problems in the car. Is that a good argument? Well, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> it's not a good argument. Why is it not a good argument? Why, why, why would you say it's not a good argument? Because he left out very important details that the seller exactly. should know. He, he wants to sell the car. Maybe he, he knows there are issues and he's hiding them. Right. Or... Or maybe, maybe he's innocent and, and he honestly doesn't know anything about engines and he, he doesn't realize there's a, a potential problem lurking there. Right. However, however, what, you know, let's, let's change the scenario now. Let's imagine that I ask the seller if I can take the car to be checked by an experienced and a knowledgeable mechanic, someone who knows car engines really well, someone who knows cars really well. And that mechanic produces me a report, a written report, giving me the health of the, of the, the car. Now, in his report, he doesn't mention engine problems at all. Does the expert mechanic, does his silence let me infer that the engine has no serious issues? Hmm. Well... Probably, probably, although I don't absolutely know for certain, but, you know, I've, I've employed an experienced mechanic. He, he understands engines. He's bound to find engine problems if they exist. Right. And, you know, he has no reason to hide problems from me. Um, now, it's important to say that I still don't know for absolute certain that the engine is okay, but, and this is, this, is, this is a good example of the argument from silence, because he's an expert and because he would have mentioned the problems if they existed, but he hasn't, it's reasonable for me to infer that the engine's probably okay, so I can probably buy the car. Does that make sense? It makes it- it makes sense to me, and, and I think it makes sense to a lot of our listeners as well. And as we talk about uh, the writing of the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, I just wanted to also add something to your statement as well. Uh, oftentimes, yeah. um, I come across skeptics who make the argument, well, uh, this gospel 
talks about this or, and then this other gospel doesn't mention it. And so what we see in, in, in the gospels is each writer had a purpose for, yep. for why they wrote what they wrote. And it wasn't yes. designed to capture every single event that the Holy Spirit wanted them to capture. So That's right. they, they wrote under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And yes, there were some stories that they probably didn't write about, but that wasn't part of what the Spirit of God wanted, wanted him to write. So when skeptics exactly. look at the, the, the writings and say, aha, they left this thing out. Well, yep. that doesn't mean it's contradictory. It just means that they decided to talk about something else. So can you touch on that? Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, uh, it's um, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, a fascinating thing when you when you compare the Gospels. Um, you know, Matthew was was writing primarily to a Jewish audience, um, and so he 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 wanted to show how how Jesus was was the the Jewish Messiah. Um, Mark and Luke and John uh, had different. Uh, audiences in mind perhaps and and so they they focused on other things but i i think the more important thing uh, on the, the 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 to to argue for an early date of authorship of luke and acts isn't so much um what the different authors missed out i think the important thing to look at is is you know the the other historical events in the first century um, that the uh, that that Luke omitted in his writing um, things that 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 other historians of the time document and the fact that 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 Luke has omitted certain things allows us potentially to to date his writing. Uh, fairly um, firmly, although we are using the argument from silence, so it's 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 not an absolute proof. Uh, it, it's not a, a very firm argument, but it's it's a fairly strong argument and a, a fairly strong inference that 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 we can draw. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned it because that leads me to my next question. You wrote about his omission regarding the fall of Jerusalem. Please touch on that. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the Romans, um, unfortunately, had um, the opportunity uh, to really go to war against the the Jewish people in that area and um, we can read about that, uh, the, the events, in the writings of Josephus, who is uh, a Roman historian. He, he, he was a Jewish person. He joined the Romans, and, and he wrote a history of, of, it, of first century Israel at the turn of the first century. And, and he, he goes into some great detail about the uh, the way that the Romans came in around about AD 70 and, and 
destroyed the temple and and massacred lots of lots of the people there. Um, it, it was it was not an event that would be um, missed <laughs> by anyone living in that that area because if you were living in Jerusalem at that time, the temple was it was part of your livelihood probably. Right. It was everyone's life revolved around the temple, and so when the when the army uh, came in. And, you know, things had been pretty tense for a few years because there had been things going on with with the Roman army. Um, but in AD 70, they, they came in and destroyed that temple. And what's interesting is that uh, Luke doesn't mention that in Acts um, at all. It's, it's, it's not alluded to. Uh, it's, it's not mentioned. But... Importantly, Luke does mention other periods of, of persecution uh, that the Christians experience. Right. So, for example, you know, Saul's persecution of the church in Acts chapter 8, um, and, you know, the scattering of the, of the, of the church uh, in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 8. And, you know, Peter and John, uh, who, were, who were being persecuted, um, uh, in, in in the earlier chapters, so it's clear that that Luke wants to capture the the reality of life in the first century as a as an early Christian. The question I have is, if he recorded those examples of of suffering and um, persecution, why wouldn't he document? the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Right. It seems to me that the best or, or a strong inference here is to say, well, that's probably because it hadn't happened it yet. It happened yet. <laughs> and so he was writing acts. He, he was researching it. He was, he was interviewing people and he, he was writing about the events and what was going on. But, you know, the... The fall of Jerusalem hadn't happened yet. And so that allows us to, 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 to certainly date uh, Acts uh, before A.D. 70. Mm. Excellent point. Excellent point. And as I was reading, and I was really impressed by that connection, uh, we've, we've, many of us are familiar with the argument of, uh, from silence. And then uh, to make that connection that if... Uh, the the destruction of Jerusalem had happened in Luke's time. He would have wrote about it. Uh, and and yeah. we're talking about 80, 80, 70. So since he didn't write about it, then uh, logic, logically we can conclude that uh, it happened earlier. And uh, from yeah. just supporting, like as you said, supporting documents, we can uh, conclude that it happened uh, as you said, um, earlier than eighty seventy. So I appreciate that. Now, you also touched on something that uh, I think would be helpful to our listeners, and that's um, how do Christians respond to uh, anti-miracle arguments? And you touched on that, and, and that's them from uh, Jesus' prophecy about the destruction of the temple in eighty seventy, 70 um, And 
how some skeptics use that particular verse uh, to claim that miracles uh, are, are not real. So please touch on what you wrote. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a great point. Um, and, you know, what we see in uh, in Luke's gospel is, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus warns uh, his listeners that the time's going to come when not one stone is going to be left on another and every one of them is going to be thrown down. And as we as we look at those words uh, from our vantage point in history, we can look at that and say, well, you know, Jesus, Jesus uh, is um, the, the incarnate Son of God. He's um, he's clearly it's 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 God, and in his um, human nature. But he's he's he certainly it sounds like he's prophesying the destruction of the temple. Now, skeptical scholars will look at that, and they will say, Ah, there we go. There's evidence that um, Luke was written post AD 70 because you have someone referencing the event. But the important thing to know about the skeptic here is that they're assuming something, uh, an important assumption that is very common uh, today. Uh, And they're assuming that miracles don't occur. Right. Because, well, you know, for Jesus to to prophesy the destruction of the Jewish temple uh, many many years before it actually occurred, you know, he was he was living I guess AD thirty to AD thirty three roundabout. Right. So you know that's forty years before the 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 temple would be destroyed, and, and he's prophesying the event. Well, he would be maybe he was he was foreseeing something. Um, because of the the tensions that were going on between the Romans and and Israel. Perhaps he was foreseeing it, but he speaks in very specific terms there. Not one stone would be left on another. So, you know, it it sounds very much like a a miraculous word of of prophecy. So, Brother Greg, uh, thank you so much. Um, Believe it or not, our time has come to a close. Uh, We so much appreciate your wisdom and your insights as it relates to this topic. I would love for us to um, talk again. Uh, If not on on this subject, we'll talk on another subject. But thank you for your contribution to Christendom and for helping us build our knowledge as it relates to Christ and his word and how to defend it uh, on truth. So uh, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for your uh, assistance on this subject, and we will be in touch. Great to talk to you, Kersia. All right. Have a blessed day. Again. Bye-bye now. Goodbye. That was Brother Stuart Gray, and we thank him for appearing on Sound Reasoning Ministries. And remember, to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister, Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you 
Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.